Good morning. Good to see you guys. Good to see lots of folks here. Always good to see that happening again and getting back into church. If, you've, uh, if you're new here this morning, we want to extend a, just an extra special welcome to you. We're grateful that you came this morning. Um, also, too, if you joined us new online or if you're joining us online this morning, we want to say welcome and we're grateful that you're here with us as well. So we are finishing up 2 Peter. First and 2 Peter, I think, have been such a timely message for us, just a timely message for the church, a, a kind of a reality. It's, it's, a, it's a big check on what's really going on, and I think that it is so segued with the culture and the shifts in culture that we're seeing, the different things that we're uh, going through. And so 1 Peter and 2 Peter have had just these kind of these major themes, just the idea of our growth in Christ, that it's just imperative that we grow as Christians. That being a Christian isn't just coming to church on Sunday, but it's, 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 it envelops our lives. It, it's the lens that we see life through. It, it, it needs to be really um, everything um, about our life. Everything within our life needs to be viewed through the lens and, of the Bible. Um, also, to just the reality of persecution in our lives, that, that, that we as believers will be persecuted um, for our faith, um, there's also, too, uh, the warning for false teachers and false prophets that say that they've always been around and they'll always be around. So be careful, be guarded, understand God's word, be in God's word so that you know and can recognize uh, the things that are counterfeit to it. Um, and also, too, then it, it has us to deal with and be prepared and ready for the imminent return of Christ. And so that's where we're at this morning as we finish up 2 Peter. We're in verses 10 through 18 of chapter 3, and we're just calling this one vigilant, not vigilante. That might have been what you were hoping for, vigilante, but uh, that would have an E on the end. We're just vigilant here um, this morning. Vigilant, on the alert, as for danger or error, watchful. Watchful as one who watches during the hours for sleep, ever awake and on the alert, attentive, to discover and avoid danger, or to provide safety, circumspect, cautious, wary. This is the definition that the dictionary gives for the word vigilant. And so we want to start in and look into this here this morning. 2 Peter 3, 10 through 18, we'll start in verse 10, and it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then... The heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So, a few years ago, I went down and I saw in Casper the total eclipse. Anybody go see that or see it somewhere? One of the coolest, most amazing things I've ever seen. I loved it. That is going to be nothing compared to the cosmic uh, show that, that this is talking about. Um, so basically, it talks about this idea that Jesus is coming, he's coming as a thief in the night, that basically there's a reality. The Bible tells us that we should understand the season that we live in, so I think it's very important that we begin to understand and we look and we say, well, what season are we living in? Where are we at in that spectrum of season? But also, to the recognition and the reality that none of us actually knows the hour or the day or the very specific time that he's coming back. And the way it really ends up reading, it tells us basically it's going to be a surprise to all of us, that life is going to just kind of be kind of kicking along. And boom, it's like a switch is going to be flipped, and there's going to be the return of Christ and the culmination of time, and all of these things are going to happen. 
He leaves us here in 10 with this idea, too, that all of the works that are done on the earth will be exposed. And I think we should take great comfort in that, in the reality that, that God is going to bring justice to bear, that all of the wrongs that have ever been done in all of history are going to be made right. They are going to be brought to perfect judgment. All of the works of good that have been done are also going to be revealed, and these things are going to be made known that God is going to bring this. So as we as a people, sometimes we sit back and we're like, how can this go on? And we struggle with this and that, and we don't understand, and we're, we, we have an event in our life, and we, we have no clue and no understanding of why God has allowed it or why, maybe even more so, that he hasn't done something about it today. But this should be a comfort to us that tells us that God will not let those things go on forever, that one day perfect justice will be met out. And so, 1 Thessalonians reminds this as well, verse five, chapter five, verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Matthew 24, 37 through 39, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so Pastor Mike dealt with this a lot too and talked about this last week, and, and, and some of these verses we'll see again um, but really, we have three big events kind of coming, and they're tied back to the idea here of the ark and of Noah and the times of Noah and what was going on there. And that, that in the time of Noah, that Noah is a preacher of righteousness, that he's speaking truth into the culture around him, but he's getting almost no results. And at the end of the day, God preserves Noah and his family, and judgment is brought. So we see this picture of this reality of judgment. And again, as we talked about in chapter two of Second Peter, this should really set us back as believers. It should A, make us just evaluate and see, am I in the faith? Am I really in the faith? Am I, have I trusted in Christ or do I just come to church? Because those are two very different things. And Jesus is very clear with some of those things. And we'll look at some of those in a minute. But there's this imperative to be in the faith. And if I'm in the faith, then if you're in the faith, there's no reason to fear this judgment. But there is a reason to begin to look into our lives and say, how am I, if this is a reality and there's a lost world and I've got lost neighbors around me, I've got people who don't know Jesus around me that are influenced, that are all around me, then how should that fundamentally begin to change the way that I live life today? So it's this picture of judgment. It's a picture of purification. It's a, it's a picture of purifying, of, of sending through the smelter, through the, uh, through the fires of, of smelting and taking away impurities. And ultimately, it's a picture of restoration that we're talking about, that God wants to restore everything back to his original intention. He wants to bring it back. And his greatest promises to us are really gonna be given to us at the very end, the time of restoration, when it's all brought back into the order that we all want it to be in, the place where our injustice is challenged and we're challenged with, with, with these different items and we just hate things and we see sickness and we see death and we see these things that we can't stand, one day the greatest promise is to be delivered from all of that in God's perfect restoration. So Jesus told a parable 
Um, and, and this parable was this story in Matthew 25. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 did, I, I jumped ahead too here. Here we go. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's this picture that says, in the light of the end, how do we live now? How do we begin if we understand the end and we're shown the end, then how do we live today? Ecclesiastes is a book that challenges us with that same kind of a thing. It's about like living life backwards. If, if the reality of our physical lives are that we will leave our bodies one day, that we will actually die a physical death, and that there will be, um, there'll be a, a ceremony that takes place, there'll be a funeral that happens for us. And in that funeral, people will, will, will give uh, eulogies and things like that. And what will be said? About it. So if we, if we started with the reality of that that's going to happen one day, what kind of things do you want to have said on that day about you, about your character, about who you are? Sometimes I go to funerals or even have done funerals, and, and, and the greatest things that people say about them are like, well, he was a really huge Broncos fan. And we hope and we know that that's not the only thing that will be said. It's fine to be that, I, I guess. Some might argue with that. I don't know, right? But if that's all that's said about us, if that's all that our life is, is, is about, then, then we've missed the point. We want people to say, this was a person who loved Jesus, who lived their lives for others, who, who considered others as more important than themselves, who was giving and generous and loving and caring, who affected change in the world around them. Those are the kinds of things that we long to hear. And so if that's what we want to hear, then how do we start today so that those are the things that are said about us, right? And, and this is what I think Peter is doing here is he's, he's giving this, this perspective and he's calling his people to change their perspective and say, look, if it all kind of burns up in the end, then what are you living for? Are you living for the stuff that's just going to go away? Or are you living for things that are going to span across this temporal plane and are going to actually reach into eternity? things that are going to have a matter in eternity, things that are important in God's kingdom and what he's doing. So, so Peter says, in light of this, how are you living today to pursue holiness and godliness? Because it matters. Because your life is a reflection of who Christ is to the world around you, to an unbelieving, unknowing world. We're supposed to be a visible display of who Christ is. We're supposed to look different as a church. We're supposed to be waiting for and hastening the coming of the day. How do we hasten the day? Well, you share the gospel. You make disciples, right? Jesus says, and when his gospel goes out and goes forth over all the earth, and that's basically one of the, that's one of the things that he's saying. That's when I'm coming back. So we hasten the day by doing the things that we're called to do, by loving the world around us, by, by sharing God's word, by sharing God's truth around us. Again, the greatest promise is these things is that we look forward to something else. We look forward to the righteousness and to the goodness and to heaven, really. Heaven is what we want, but the reality of it is, is we don't live in heaven yet. We live in a, a place that's broken and fallen, 
It's full of corruption and difficulties, and, and, and we're meant to be making a difference in the midst of that. Jesus told this parable, and we'll go ahead and move on to it now. And he said this, he said, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they had no oil with them. But the wise took flax of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And this is an interesting parable, and not really an int- a super simple one to, to grasp. There's a lot of different thought about there, out there about what these uh, different virgins represent, but they're, they're basically the bridesmaids of the bride. And, and, and what is the bride ultimately? The bride is the church, right? We know from Scripture that Jesus is this bridegroom who's returning one day, who has given, a, uh, who has purchased with this dowry, this very expensive, um, he's purchased with his own blood, his his bride, and one day he's going to return for that. And we, we know this is going to happen because he's bought it. He purchased it, and it cost him at great, vast expense to himself. And so he's returning one day for his bride. But, but there's this idea of, of entrance into this wedding supper. And, and the entrance into this wedding supper really is to be known by this bridegroom. It, it's, and, 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 and to have this oil in our possession. You see, the, the two things, there was a lot of similarities between them. They all had lamps. Uh, they, they all started out with some oil. Um, they, they, they all uh, went out to meet the bridegroom. They all uh, fell asleep. They all rose and trimmed their wicks. But then some of them said, wait a minute, we've got no oil. We've got to have oil in this lamp. And so biblically, the oil always represents the idea of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit, that we have to have this inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit to have entrance into this relationship with this bridegroom. It's, it's an absolute necessity, and without it, we'll be left outside of this, right? And so they stand, and they, they, they go to enter in, but they don't have the oil, and you can't borrow the oil from somebody else. The oil it has to be a personal thing. And these, these virgins, these, these br- bridesmaids, they were looking forward to it. They were thinking about it. It affected how they went out to meet him. They went out prepared. They went out vigilant. They went out thinking with expectancy and understanding that they needed to be prepared for, because he delayed. And so we sit in this place too where, where God is delayed and we want to make sure that our lamps are always full that we're ready, that we're vigilant, that we're a people who are expectant of his return and living our lives, right? Because that's the only thing we're called to do. We're not called to know when he's coming back. We're called to live a life that when he comes back demonstrates that we're in relationship to him, that, that says, I, I, I'm doing things that would say, well done, 
good and faithful servant because I found you doing the very thing I asked you to be doing. And so this picture of oil and, you know, oil is an interesting thing in the, in the, in the, uh, in the tabernacle, there was, there was a, a lampstand that had seven lamps on it and it was in the holy place. And that lampstand was the only light that, that, that produced, that, that uh, illuminated the holy place. And so that lampstand illuminated all of the other holy pieces of furniture, the, the, the table of the showbread, the, the table of the uh, incense, and these different things. This, this lamp brought illumination to all of those things as well, and it was a priestly duty to continually fill those lamps with the, with the oil, with the olive oil. It's a picture. And those seven lampstands we see again show up in the book of Revelation that these are the church, right? And, and so we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus basically beginning this process of, of basically being crushed, right? We see him and he's in absolute anxiety and anguish. It says he's sweating like drops of blood, that, that he is, he's saying things to the Father like, hey, if this cup might be lifted from me, could, could we maybe that? And the answer was no. And Gethsemane, its very name means the olive press. And so, so we see Jesus begin this thing, and it culminates on the cross, and he's crushed. But out of him flows what? It flows this oil. It flows the Holy Spirit. He says, if I go, then I will send the helper, and you'll be better off because you'll be filled with the Spirit because you'll then. And so, so, the, so, the, so Jesus is crushed. The, this oil is poured out. It's given to his people, and his people are told to do what? To go be light, that you're the light of the world, to fill your lamp, to live in the expectancy of the return of Christ, to begin to really live our lives like we believe and trust that he's coming back maybe today. We don't know. It's just going to happen, boom, and then it's going to be there. How do we want to be found? And again, with that perspective of if we start with the end, and what should we do today so that we make it to the end in the right way, the way that we want to make it to the end? Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. If it's all going away, all of the physical, all of the temporal, then what? should our attention, what should our focus be on? You see, our, his promises are our desire for a new thing. As we spoke about earlier, Revelation 21.4 tells us, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so there's a, there's a real need that we begin to be a people who are living with this kind of expectancy, that we're living for the things of God, that we are a people um, who are longing for the righteousness and the perfection of what God really intends for us. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like one day to live a life? I can't really figure out what it's gonna be like to truly live apart from sin. To have sin have no bearing in my own life personally or in, or in the world around me. To have that to be absolutely eradicated, to have the things, no more longings for, for, for justice because there's no need for justice because everything is right, everything is set right and as it should be. See, these are the promises. These are the things that we long for. These are the things that we cry out to God for and we just don't understand and we wrestle and we struggle with and God says, I'm gonna give it to you. But it's not today. 
And the only way that I can give it to you is if you are in Christ, if you are filled with the Spirit, if you've said yes to the relationship that has been purchased, that you could enter into because Jesus died on our behalf, that he, 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 he placed himself between us and death. And, and he made a way that we could be righteous, that we could be right, because no sin will enter into this new and perfect place. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as, does, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these things, let it affect your life today. Let it wash over on you. Let it change the way that we do life so that the world outside sees something different when they look inside. So that the world outside, when they see how you approach life, begin to go, wait a minute, you have something different. Something about you, what is it? And then we have the opportunity to share that hope. You see, we're supposed to live without spot or blemish, and that just brings peace. When we practice a disciplined faith, it really brings peace into our lives. There's a peace and a comfort and a goodness when doing the things that God has called us to do, because the things that God has called us to do bring life. It also talks about, whoa, no signal. Doesn't, I, I got it right here. I don't trust technology. So, um, know the Bible, know the Word. We have to be in the Word and understanding and growing in this. Again, if you want to understand what's false, you've got to know first what's true. If you want to know what's a counterfeit, you want to know what's authentic. We have to be a people knowing God's Word and living in that. God's slowness equates to salvation. It told us there, it says, it says that, uh, it says count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Pastor Mike mentioned this last week, but you needed God to be patient with you. We all are all for him coming. We wanna see him come today, but we wanna see as many come with as what's possible. This is the heart of God, that not, none would perish, but all would turn and be saved. This is the heart that, that we're supposed to beat in unison with, that we would recognize and understand that the world out there, that's not your enemy. You're not fighting flesh and blood. It feels like it, I know it. But that's not the reality. There's a spiritual realm and that's where the battle is done. It is just a deception that's going across our world and it is really going at lightning speed, honestly, right now. It also reminds us that people twist the scriptures, right? So it's important that we understand them, that there are people that twist the scriptures to their end. It's always happened. It's always gonna happen. That's why, again, we just have to know it. Goes on here. Know your Bible. Mark that thing up. It's nothing better than a Bible with worn out pages with all kinds of writing in it and all kinds of highlights all over it. That's good stuff. Don't be afraid to keep your Bible. Don't keep your Bible all perfect. Use that thing. Colossians, or Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people 
and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Colossians 2.8 reminds us as well, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So God is calling us to, to grow in him, to, to understand more about him. The more that you know God, the more that you will love God. The more that you know his word, the more that you'll be able to speak truth and love and life into the world around us. You see, um, and the more your life will look, honestly, at peace. I think that it's, it's, it's no mistake that you're, you and I and all of us are living today we're living in exactly the time and the place that we're supposed to be in for a moment such as this, right? And, and, and God has a mission, and he has, he has a thing for us to do. We're living in a world that is, is just cratering to just all of this kind of thought that is so deceptive, this thought that is going to not bring life to the world and to the culture around us. We're, we're, we're legislating laws into effect in the culture around us that, that allow for, for the death of a child up until the day of birth. And we're celebrating this. We're, 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 we're bringing confusion. We're, we're opening the door to bring confusion into our children's lives. We're sexualizing our children. We're sexualizing everybody and saying, this is who you are. You fit in this box or this box or this box. But God says, no, that we're much more than this. We're not just that and that there are, there are parameters, there are places, there are ways that God has made us, but we are a people. Remember, Second Peter told us that if we are a people who once knew the truth and then move away from it, then we're worse off in the end. We'd be better off to have not known the truth than to have known it and turned away from it. And my fear is that we're in a nation. We're a place, we're a nation that knew the truth and has turned away from it. And our condition is getting deteriorating very much. But, but we shouldn't be hopeless. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be an angry people. We should recognize that God is at work in this. And what does God want to do? He wants to bring life into this. He wants to inject life and hope. And he wants to use you to do that. He wants to give you a voice and have you speak his life, his truth, his ways into it. Because God has given us parameters. He's given us ways of living that just work for all time. They're not, they're, not, they're not dependent on a time. We don't outgrow them. They don't become antiquated. They don't move into history. There is a common struggle within the human being that has always been. It's always been the same. We struggle with sin. We, we struggle with the rejection of God. We struggle with going our own way. And then we reap the consequences of having done that. You see, we have a God who loves us, a God who's, who's, who's prescribed life in a way and a manner of life to us. And it's not always easy, don't get me wrong. It's in contradiction to who I am and to who we tend to be. But God wants you to be like this, this symbol of stability, this tree of life that people can look at. Psalm 1 talks about being a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever these people do, it's blessed. Why? because they meditate in God's word, because they know God's ways, and they become a pillar of stability in the culture around them. 
See, it's time to not be quiet anymore, Christians. It's time to be respectful. It's time to be kind. But it's time to begin to promote and speak the good things of God into the world around us. It's time to take our place. It's time to stand up and have the courage to do that, but to do it in absolute love. You speak the truth, you speak it in love, or you don't speak it at all. Because truth without love can be cruel, right? But love without truth is equally as cruel. And so we're in a world that's just trying to make everything okay. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to move away from the elementary principles. What you'll see is a, is a, is a very methodical attack against the family. It's the family that holds this thing together. And I'm gonna tell you that, that we all know here that we've had broken families. I've experienced that. A lot of you have as well. But we know the reality of the fallout from that. And I'm gonna tell you that it's God's plan. It's God's plan that's gonna bring life. It's God's plan we have to speak. It's God's plan that God's people have to get a hold of and say, you know what, this is the truth. And this is what we stand on. And we love you enough to tell you what God has to say in these areas. So invite somebody. We're going to start our new sermon series next week um, as we kind of lead up to Easter, right? Easter's one of them times you get people to come to church, right? They're willing to come to church for Easter. So grab a card, invite somebody. Think about who you might invite and pray. Pray that God give you the opportunity to speak into their lives and to and to give them that and to invite them to church. I wanna give you a little Second Peter overview really quick before we shut down. A, this letter is addressed to believers. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You are given precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. It is your escape from the world. So diligently live in faith, then add moral excellence to it, then knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and crown it with love. Possess and increase these qualities so that you may be fruitful. Let me remind you, be diligent, live in faith, add moral excellence to it, then knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and crown it with love. It will keep you from stumbling. My time on earth is short, and so is everyone's. We aren't just talking. We saw him with our very own eyes and are telling you, of his glory. God told us all through the prophetic word that Jesus is the Messiah. Watch out for false prophets and teachers. They are always around. They will lead many astray and live for the lusts of this world. They lead themselves and others into bondage. Judgment is real. Remember the words spoken through the prophets. Know your Bible. You will be mocked and made to look like a fool. Jesus will be blasphemed, and you will be demonized. God is patient. He wants as many to come as will. His opportunity is wide and long. When no one is expecting that it will be, Jesus will return, and all things will be restored to the original intention. Live your life in light of the end. Let these things shape how you see the world, and live life. Read the word. Know God grow. Lord, may it be. May we be a people who seek your face above all things. May we live in your truth. May we stand firm in your truth, knowing that it's all that we have. Where else would we go? You alone, Lord, hold the words of truth. 
So Lord, we ask that you would, you would equip us, Lord, help us, give us strength, give us courage, give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us to live with the expectancy of your return. Lord, make us uh, a people that are able. Grow in us, Lord, something that hasn't been there, Lord, only that you can do. Lord, fill us with your spirit and send us into the very things that you would have us to do. Help us, Lord, to have an excitement, knowing that you have a mission for us, that there's nothing more exciting than living on mission for a purpose and for the calling that's greater than us. So, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, be with us, that you'd be with all the churches and all of the leadership and all of the people of the churches and those who, who claim Jesus, who proclaim you, who glorify your name, who call you king. Lord, we pray that you would equip us to love the world around us so deeply and so well that no charges could ever be brought against us. Um, not because we're good, Lord, but because you're good, because you've done what we could never do, because you've recreated in us something that we couldn't be. We were lost and we were separate and we were deceived and we were living in sin but you got a hold of us and you changed our lives. Lord, make us life changers as well. Use us, Lord, as your hands and feet. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.